Hi everybody! Welcome back to Ornate Stairwells, a movie podcast. I'm joined by Nia. Hi, I'm Neef. And I took a kind of tone of voice that made it sound like there's a guest, but there's not. I don't know why I took that tone of voice. Nia, tell me about all the movies you watched this week. Uh... So, have you heard of this TV show called Mobile Suit Gundam? Uh... That's the prequel to Gundam Apocalypse, right? Uh, is a Gundam Apocalypse a thing? Oh, you know, okay. Right, you don't get Mountain Goats jokes. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I just... <laughs> that's just, like, the weird role-playing guy that my friend knows. I'm sending you a video. Um... Uh, I oh, just crap. like I I just can't think of Mountain Goats as anything other than some kind of weird role playing guy who likes D and D too much that a friend of mine knows. Uh, that's how I first got to know. Well, actually, I first learned of him um, when I was in high school. There was a a girl who I liked who really liked the Mountain Goats, but I never listened to any of their music because um, I was past the phase of just trying to get into something I had no interest in to impress a girl. You can stop vamping. I'm sending you the video. Okay. Um, and <laughs> do, so instead... Do a hot singles, three, two, one this? Uh, sure. We'll this see if I'm song. actually going to pull that. Okay. Um, let me get it so it's at the beginning. Do, do I have audio? I, I think I do. Let me make sure that it's going to go through the right speakers because, um, yeah, it would be really embarrassing if this got picked up on mic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, output external headphones. Okay, good. Cause I had to change it over in discord. Discord has been like really obnoxious about inputs, outputs anyway. Yeah. It's been doing that for me too. Discord used to just handle this and it doesn't anymore. Yeah. I don't know what happened. Anyway, I'm ready. All right. Three, two, one, go. You ready? Uh-huh. All right. People say the internet's garbage, but I lost my Gundam instructions. My day has several appointments, major and Gundam. minor, but I came back to check my mentions. Thank you to everybody who helped these Gundams find another friend. They will go to take over the whole world. And our torment will have no end. Thank you to Anthony, Hans P, Ben Profane, and Aquaman. Plenty of others who this song isn't long enough to mention. But trust me, we've got your back. Gundam Apocalypse. Gundam Apocalypse. And so on. Thank you so much. Seriously, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that is... <laughs> I don't. I don't look at um at the, at the man that often, um, uh-huh. because like mostly how I know Mountain Goats. I've listened to some some of his music um, since like my friend who who kind of knows him uh, likes his music, um, but yeah, to like in general. John Darnell Neal to me is stories that that friend has told me about the man, 
Mm-hmm. But like, it's not like videos or photos of the man. It's just right. stories about like him being weird about D and D and stuff. Mm. Um, and so just seeing him is like, no, like this is this is basically what I envisioned. <laughs> don't don't shit talk my favorite singer so much. He shows up on lots of people's podcasts. I've noticed. And <laughs> That's in the back of my mind is a, oh, maybe someday we can make that happen thing. Because <laughs> he seems to have, he seems to have exceptionally low standards for the types of podcasts he'll show up on. And I think we make pretty good podcasts. So all I'm saying is that I just like the, I have no celebrity around this man. I have, mm-hmm. I have no sense of celebrity around him. Uh, he, he could be any other of the, like, people who my friend role plays with sometimes. Mm. Um, who, some of them are also, like, kind of known in, like, role playing spaces, but, like, John Darnielle is such a bigger deal to most right. people than any of the other people that, like, my friend would role play with. Um, but I just, like, it's just bizarre to me then because like to me he's just a part of this group of people that like are at most mm-hmm. marginally internet famous and then Jarni- John Darnielle is like actually kind of famous. Right. Um in a way that like extends a little bit more beyond the internet and it like there's just an extremely bizarre disconnect there where I'm not trying to bad mouth him here. <laughs> I'm just being like that's a guy. Like he- <laughs> that's a that's a dude. That's just yeah. a guy who a friend He's of a mine is. a regular knows. ass man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just, I don't have the, if it seems like I'm being disrespectful, it's just because they don't have the air of respect that like everyone is supposed to have about celebrities, I guess. Um, or like the, the deferent, the, the kind of tone you're supposed to have around celebrities. I just don't. Um, that's just not how I know that man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Anyway, <laughs> I yeah, I've been watching Mobile Suit Gundam. <laughs> so you have not watched any movies? Gundam. Uh, no, I haven't watched. So the other thing is, um, my toddler is like very marginally sick, uh, mm. not in like any serious way. Um, like probably could have gone back to daycare today. Daycare is making a big deal. Rightfully. Like, we got, like, norovirus from daycare and stuff. There are people sending their kids to daycare who are, like, sick. But our daycare mm-hmm. made, like, a big deal of, like, here, like, this is the policy, like, very, very firm. Um, and it's possible that it, it is something also that we don't want to spread, which uh, there's this, like, RSV, which is pretty mild unless you're, like, under two. And especially, like, infants, it can be really, really serious. Mm-hmm. Um, but you uh, can also be... Uh, hand, foot, and mouth disease, which is a thing that you, like, build immunity up to over time, where uh, often if you get it as an adult, you might have a little bit of a sore throat, but, like, you're not going to have, like, spots on your hands and stuff in the way that a kid would. Um, and that's just been through daycare multiple times. So uh, the last time my toddler had it, like, we didn't really notice until, like, the light hit their hands right, and then we kind of noticed that there were spots. Um, otherwise, you just thought it was, like, a little bit of a sore throat. But anyway... Uh, we're recording remote because of that. Uh, toddler has been home, which means that I've just been like watching stuff on my computer last while working. Cause I'm kind of marginally trying to pay attention to my child while ha- having to have a job. Um, 
I know like, what as you much mean, as but I it can. came out so funny. <laughs> it I, like, came out it's like... just it's very hard to like it's very hard for me as somebody who's neglected specifically around like my parents working all the time to to sit at my desk and have to do a job when my kid is sick, but also be like, none of this is serious enough that I need to take off work and the like pressures of capitalism say that I need to work. It just sucks. Anyway, um I thought that I'd be done with with first Gundam by now, with 0079. Mm-mm. But I'm not. Uh because my toddler's been homesick. Um Yeah, and then also it's just been like a, a weird few days, uh, including literally earlier today before we watched Twin Peaks and are now recording, I got a dental crown put in. So um, the numbness is over, but my mouth still feels like shit. So um, I'm not going to complain about we didn't watch any movies. And so this might be a short one. <laughs> <laughs> First, well, I was w- fun. I'm enjoying it. I watched many movies. Mm-hmm. I watched. Are you just gonna list some YouTube videos or? <laughs> did oh, I... sorry. Did I cut out for a second? It felt like you didn't hear oh. any of that. Uh, I'm sure the, the the listeners will hear it. I, I yeah. listed a whole bunch of movies that I watched, but if I'm cutting out, I guess we don't need to go over all the movies okay. that I watched there. <laughs> when, when you cut out, you must have missed my really funny joke. <laughs> It was just that I asked if the movies were a bunch of YouTube videos. All the YouTube videos I watched this week were Retro Game Core, how to set up emula- emulation station on your Steam Deck. <laughs> um, testing, yeah, emulate- testing emulators on your Steam Deck. <laughs> you and Nora got a Steam Deck. so We got a Steam Deck. I've yeah. been... Okay. You gave a life update. I guess I'll give a life update. Even though I also just gave one on PopTown. That will be up before, supposed to be up a couple hours ago, and I kept forgetting about it. Um, Sorry, Nora, I didn't mean to <laughs> guilt trip you by saying that. <laughs> Listeners, Nora is over there playing Dead Space, in case you could hear any clicky sounds, I guess. I just keep forgetting that we recorded a pop down. <laughs> uh, you also need to do Gotham still, I just remembered. I'm gonna pretend that we recorded that episode tomorrow and put it up. The first thing you did when you started recording was guilt me for something else. So, oh, that was much more mild. I just want I <laughs> that that's no longer in the recording. <laughs> Listeners, the thing I guilted Nora about earlier is I wanted her to bring me a plushie. <laughs> anyway, um, life update. Anyway, life update. Um, so, as I've mentioned, I think on this podcast and a couple others, um, my job has been nightmarishly awful. Um, just, like, true, like, getting ground under the heels of capitalism. Like, the worst my job has ever been. Not the second worst time my job has ever been, because I've had... This job is pretty terrible to me over the years. Anyway, um, so that's been going on. And... um. Yeah, I've talked about this on the podcast before because it's put me in gaming mode. Um, And I'd been kind of wanting a Steam Deck for a while and they just became available. And the one nice thing about working a lot is that I do have a little extra money, but also not. But also, yes, it's a weird situation regardless. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, the thing that's weird and maybe intentional about uh, capitalism is that it's a lot easier to buy a Steam Deck than it is to like pay rent. Yes, you know. <laughs> yes, I guess. In a way, I guess stupid. here's the thing about it is that like the paycheck that I'm about to get gonna be really good because I've been working a lot. The paycheck after that gonna be really bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. I- Anyway, we got a Steam Deck, and I've been playing around with that, and most of my time has been spent um, either coming home from work, being exhausted, and wishing I had time to play around with a Steam Deck, or today, finally, setting up a bunch of emulators on the Steam Deck, which you'll notice is different from playing any video games on those emulators. (laughs) Yeah. Um... I assume sometime through I'm going to play Silent Hill 3 and like I'll be able to talk about that on this podcast because like that's a pretty like cinematic game as far as I, you know, God, kind I of was... balk at that term generally speaking, but like, yeah. you know. You mentioned that you were getting Silent Hill 3 and I like, this was like when you tweeted it, I had this like flash in my mind of like a, a different universe where just like our jobs are export and then I'd be like, man, it'd be so fun to do like let's plays or like live streams of silent hill three. Cause I having not really mm. played any of these games, but having seen most of them, uh, I really love silent hill three. Uh, yeah. Really I, um, two is also well, really good, but, uh, in a, in a way that's like far more similar to me, I think, uh, to the original Longtime fans may recall me doing a, um, resident evil one. Let's play. Uh, that might have been this time last year, actually. That might have been October last year. I want to say it was October 2020, but it could have been October 2021. Anyway, uh, um, uh, that is definitely, I really enjoyed doing a Let's Play, and I would love to do more, but, um, it's a lot of work, (laughs) you know? Uh, that is like if ex like if I could go down to working twenty hours a week because export made us a lot more money than it does, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. But anyway, um. Words. Yeah. Um. Oh my! I guess I can do my other update before we like actually get into to podcast stuff. Um. Mm. So the the other reasons why I didn't watch anything is um, in the evenings when I have had free time, um, which I haven't always had a ton. But um, one, I'm I'm like preparing to start reading through uh, all of the Nana manga because we're doing that for the New Year special uh, on um, Ghost Divers. So. Uh, that's coming up, and I'm I'm like starting to get a bunch of that. I I ordered a bunch of physical ones of all the volumes, um, and they're starting to arrive. Um, I've also been building Gunpla while watching First Gundam. That's a thing I've been doing in the <laughs> evenings. Um, and then uh, the other thing is I've started reading uh some stuff, in- including the actual book that we're doing, but also some like supplementary text for my new podcast that's now officially Mm. been announced in channels and things so i'll promo it at the end of this as well but um it i think if you just go to abnormalmapping.com slash longfire uh but this one's over on on abnormal mapping i'm doing with m and we're reading through um 
Currently, sagas, although if we uh, end up really enjoying this podcast and decide to do uh, more from what we've currently planned, we'll probably do the Adas uh, soon after. Um, but And the first one we're doing is uh, Vilsunga Saga. So um, that's been the other thing I've been spending my time on is like prepping for that. Um, Look forward to it. <clears throat> that reminded me of... Um... I also have a new podcast. Not going to say, I'll say more about it in the plugs, but I realized um, part of the reason that like, <clears throat> part of the reason I haven't watched movies also is just like, I've been reading a, a little more comics. Not like, like earlier this year, I was reading a lot of comics. Um, and this week I've been reading a few more comics, you know, and it did, yeah. it's like comics are a great way to scratch like the itch in my brain for movies, but it only takes up like, 15 minutes and i can like check twitter while i do it you know <laughs> yeah um not not only can i check twitter while i do it i can post while i do it <laughs> yeah um so yeah i hadn't thought about that but that might that is also i think part of the reason like i have been just not in movie mode lately but i i guess that's enough padding <laughs> yeah we somehow talk talked for critiques? 17 minutes about how we didn't watch anything that's fine <laughs> that's just what this podcast is this is what the podcast is uh yeah let's talk about twin peaks twin peaks season t- one episode two aka episode one aka uh i'm pulling it up here traces to nowhere traces to nowhere uh this one directed by Dwayne dunham uh this along with uh last one i i have a thing where i've written out like or i have a a list of all the writers but i forgot to mention last time uh but both of these and and also next week's uh episode were written by uh frost and lynch Um, right and then we'll start getting other writers after uh episode three aka episode two aka zen aka the skill to catch a killer (laughs) that's not that's (laughs) Zen or the ki- skill to catch a killer. That's a title. I know. I just thought it was funny to say it that way. <laughs> Slaughterhouse Five or the Children's Crusade. It's a very old naming convention. <laughs> yeah. Because when Slaughterhouse Five did it, it's a reference to older things. I just can't think of those things right now. <laughs> um, I just thought it was a funny joke. Meh. <laughs> so I've been listening to a lot of Puton lately. Can you tell? <laughs> Wait, do I do I make a lot of sounds on Puton? No, I guess not. <clears throat> no, it's just... Connor that's always making weird little noises on Puton. Connor is known yeah. for his for for his for his uh how much he'll just go Rawr. uh <laughs> <laughs> that's one of connor's defining traits yeah. <laughs> i'm so excited for when we get to the seal in the manga and then i can just do a whole bunch of me <laughs> <laughs> um so um last time we kind of went through this kind of character by character almost and i almost prefer that as a way of going through twin peaks um yeah. Oh, I. 
I'll, I'll mention once again, like we always do, um, spoiler zone for Twin Peaks. Uh, first of all, if you're listening to this episode, you should go listen to our previous episode. Uh, I think it's better. <laughs> and also, it's the start of Twin Peaks. I would recommend starting with episode one instead of episode two. Yeah. I would understand more if you were going to jump in like way later but right now when we're just on episode two just go listen to last week's what are you doing (laughs) but uh in case you are new here um right now the twin peaks spoiler zone begins all bets are off we can spoil the last episode of twin peaks if we damn well please um so yeah now that the episode discussion begins get out of here if you don't want spoilers um anyway last time we kind of went through character by character and um, I thought that was really good. Um, and I think it'll probably work well just because this show is juggling so many plot lines all the time. Do, do, yeah. Um, also, I, this, this is the thing that I, well, one, like we hardly talked about aesthetics um, last episode, despite the mm. fact that like, that is still part of what's happening here. Um, and so we can touch on some of that here. Uh, but the other thing is that like, and this comes out in, um, I think like ghost divers as well, but like when I'm watching a movie, I, I'm really in it for just like this aesthetic experience. Um, because I'm not going to spend that much time with a lot of characters. Um, sometimes you'll have a more serial like movie franchise, uh, and then maybe you spend more time with the characters, but like <clears throat> in general, movies to me are not about like characters in the same way that TV shows are. TV yeah. shows to me, so much of the experience is like the characters, the actors playing the characters, uh, mm. the arcs that those characters go through over the course of a series. Um, and aesthetics play a, a, a role in that as well, but like the idea of a character becomes more primary to me when it's this longer form media Um, yes and and like twin peaks season one is going to have like the aesthetic place that it hangs out in and like i think that the the aesthetic place that of twin peaks season one um is different from the aesthetic place of season two is different from season three um but like the aesthetic stuff does just kind of stay the same largely over the course of you know one season um and so i thought the last episode had a lot of like cool aesthetic stuff to talk about that we didn't mention like the street light but like all those things will come up later a lot of the motifs i found most interesting in season one are going to come up and fire walk with me and be way way more interesting you know yeah um i i think one thing that um I just think is uh, particularly worth noting with, and it like especially struck me when we were watching the pilot, but also again um, in this episode when we see um, Mike enter into like the, the blue room in the hospital. Um, But like the color palette on the show is so warm. Um, Everything is like reddish browns and reds and like warm yellows and, uh, Sometimes you'll get like green, but even that, like the, the way they are processing the film is specifically pushing stuff in a warm direction. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are at the double R and you see the like blues of the, the, 
uh, um, the like Aprons. uniforms. Yeah, it's yeah. because they are pushing everything so warm. It's like kind of desaturated, and yeah, um, it's kind of like a whitish blue. Yeah, um, like it's like pushing a blue as warm as it can be. <laughs> uh blue like the coolest of all of the colors so right. um and then, <laughs> just like james hurley blue has always been cool <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean like and it's interesting because like <clears throat> we know already from like you know even just from this project like blue velvet and the the blue skies fading into the blue curtains like how much of like a key like blue is a color used so purposefully throughout that movie and it's interesting to see that like um in episode one the only like bright blue thing you get is the uh is the like neon sign above the roadhouse um and in this episode all you get really is um like mike walks into that weird blue room in the hospital that is just like lit up with like the like the a huge bright blue incandescent bulb that is like positioned weirdly low to the ground. <laughs> yeah. Um I feel like there's a lot of like gels going on in that room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um and then, you know, moving forward through time, like we know from this podcast um how how blue figures into like the club silencio stuff. Um and this like sense of mystery um in Mulholland Drive uh um, yeah the it's blue just key. A, it, there's also going to be the blue rose um yes it's interesting I, I blue is like the color of mystery in the filmography of David Lynch you know mhm <clears throat> which is i i don't have any like thoughts about that right now i just it's an interesting little connection i i um one of the things of this podcast is just, I really enjoy all the little like resonant things that David Lynch puts into his movies that makes it easy to draw connections. And like that connection doesn't have to mean anything, you know, I don't know that there's um, anything significant about the color blue in and of itself. Just that, ah, I like drawing all these little lines between the movies, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the other thing, um, is obviously this is like referencing and pulling from a lot of soap opera stuff. Um, you get a lot of like fairly close in on people shots um, where they're standing um, fairly still. And most of it is like the dialogue being delivered, uh, which obviously in soaps have it has its history. And like this originated as a, a radio format. Um, right. And there were, there were attempts to sort of translate that to uh, the TV screen as TVs became more prominent, but they still wanted to maintain the, the low cost of a soap opera. Um, and so, you know, early attempts included just like filming the actors standing like at the mics doing it. Uh, but obviously that's like not as entertaining or is actually kind of breaking some of the illusion that you might be getting with a radio drama. Um, and so, they then kind of essentially did the same, but you'd have actors just standing in rooms that like roughly simulate, uh, simulate where they might be having these conversations. Um, and obviously it's doing that, but I think there's also like, 
in the way that uh, David Lynch is sort of framing up this idea of like the town of Twin Peaks, um, mm. a lot of it also ends up feeling like postcards or uh, old photographs. Like the the red tone in particular, that really warm tone throughout this, kind of reminds me of. Um, there's a lot of like older like. If I look at photographs from the 70s, everything kind of gets this like warmish tint. And it's because of the way that, um, you know, I'm even thinking of like when I was a kid and I was looking at pictures of my parents from like the 70s. Mm -hmm. Um, And this would have been in the 90s. Um, The way that the the colors in that film that sort of like um, I think it was Kodak film degraded uh, would actually push it into warmer tones than it originally was. Uh, Also sepia tone um, is the sort of a thing that happened with old things as well. Uh, And so I think some of that warmth is also like (coughs) reminding me at least of like old vacation photos and uh, old home movies. And then also kind of like, like when they find Laura Palmer's body, it's almost shot like you're like taking a photo uh, for a um, uh, a postcard of being like went to scenic Twin Peaks. L- look at this mm-hmm. like pretty rock on the beach or whatever uh, with the ocean behind it. Um, except now, like intruded into that image, you have this body wrapped in plastic and police officers. And you've got Jack Nance standing kind of awkwardly, almost looking at the camera uh, mm-hmm. rather than at the body behind him. Um, so yeah, the, those are some of the things that like stood out to me that, that, that thing with the uh, specifically the shot where you sort of see from afar with um, th- the police looking at the body and it's a very static shot. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just forgot to mention last episode, but um well, that reminded me of something like um, visually that I wanted to bring up about this episode, too. And I said like anyway a few minutes ago because I was like, oh, we'll talk about the characters now. And then we ended up finding aesthetic things to talk about anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the Something that I was noticing in this episode is <clears throat> we think so much of how um, Laura's prom queen photo... Um, is like a motif throughout the series visually. Um, you know, in this episode, for example, you get like, um, um, I can't think of, I can only think of the actress's name, uh, Sarah Palmer sitting on the, um, love seat and, um, Donna comes in and sits beside her. And between them, you, is it, it's interesting because when she comes in and she sits down, um, like Laura's, prom queen photo is between um donna and um sarah but then like they do a little shot reverse shot and when they pull out again um donna's face is now over laura's and then moments after that happens you get um you know sarah confusing donna with her own daughter and yeah um, and we get this lynch loves the the unrealistic video effects of Oh boy, uh, we get a couple of them. <laughs> yeah, we get a couple of them here, but you know, one of the big ones being this um this shot where like just composited on over Donna's face is Laura's face. Um uh-huh. but and again, I think some of this is like uh I I don't think Lynch is often concerned with trying to like make you believe the illusion or whatever. Uh yeah. it is it is more about like 
giving you what is unsettling about the image and sometimes almost calling attention to the artifice adds something unsettling. <laughs> I'm I'm now like two tangents deep on this, but um, that reminded me I did. I finished that biography uh, this week. Uh, ended really down on it as a project. I, I mm-hmm. think as it goes on, it just becomes more and more like hagiography. Um, David Lynch is just like the best guy who ever lived. Every, everybody who's ever met him only says nice things about him, et cetera, et cetera. I did. I was very down on that book by the time I finished it. Um, one of the things that I found one of the good, one of the things that remains good throughout the book is um, Lynch having little anecdotes, um, and he has this anecdote about in the early two thousands um, somebody showing him Photoshop. <laughs> he was like, "Oh my god." This is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> and he talks about using Photoshop. And he's basically like, and Maharishi, uh, Maharishi Maharishi Yogi teaches us that, you know, someday this will be a world of peace. And I think Photoshop is going to be an important part of the world peace that is to come. <laughs> it's so fucking good. The man just loves Photoshop. Um. Um, anyway... <laughs> He just and it, it, for him it, it, in that anecdote, it just it is fundamentally about like so you have an image and you can like take that image and do with it whatever you want. You know, you can like reshape that image um, in a million ways that you might not have ever conceived of before um, Photoshop. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> um. Oh, also. One other quick thing about the biography, because I doubt it'll come up again, maybe, um, is just, like, I remember mentioning on this podcast recently, like, I don't know, like, how much, like, I know David thinks of himself as a spiritual person. I don't know if he thinks of himself as a religious person. Um, that that question was um, answered very firmly by the end of the book being um, one last pitch for TM. Um, and... Basically, he talks about um, both, like, Hinduism and transcendental meditation, um, and, like, he mentions, like, I I think that, like, all the world needs to, like, understand the Vedic texts and, like, you know, these ancient writings, basically. And then he says, it's not a religion, it's, um, it's a movement or something? He says it's not a religion, it's blah 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 but he also speaks of like the world peace that is to come as if it is like the rapture you know (laughs) yeah um and and, you know peace will come it's not like if it's when and um all these things and so he's like clearly a very religious person but has some sort of discomfort around calling it a religion you know (laughs) yeah but anyway very far afield at this point the thing I brought all the Laura um, photo stuff up is is because we think so much about the show being um, using that motif of her prom queen photo, but the um, equally prevalent in these first two episodes has been the photo of her like drained of all color, um, wrapped in plastic. Um, yeah, like th- there's a very like. 
there's a specific photo of her wrapped in plastic that I is I think equally <coughs> equally iconic um, to the one of her um, at the prom, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I just found that interesting the ways that um, you know like Doc Hayward <laughs> sees the photo and gets choked up; he can't hardly um, handle it. Um, and reflects on her life. Meanwhile, that later we see Sarah um, with this picture of Laura Palmer alive and can only think about Laura Palmer being dead. Um, it's just interesting, you know? I don't know. I don't have a larger conclusion to come out of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's not interesting to you because I, I looked it up and, like, I know that as it appears in um, season one, episode one, like in the, the pilot. Um, I I think it's still, I mean, you're still getting like, uh, you know, you say drained of color, which is like moving towards a paler or like a bluer tone. Um, mm-hmm. But also like the actual image that you see uh, when you see her face in that pilot um is like warmer than there's this other like image that you see all the time where it's like blue um and i i don't remember if we actually get that like full blue image yet um i think i know what you're talking about but it's like not coming to my mind just yet and so maybe it's like coming in a few episodes yeah here let me like i'm just gonna do a a screenshot to send to you of the um Mm the two here but uh i tabbed over to discord and and was reminded of gundam apocalypse (laughs) what a stupid podcast um what a weird start to this podcast where i just (laughs) talk shit about mountain goes anyway right um, yes yes yeah like that the one on the and this is just when i i googled um Laura Palmer wrapped in plastic. Um, but yeah, the the one that we see like in the pilot is, is a lot warmer than this like other kind of shot um, that mm-hmm. you'll also find if you Google that. So um, ju- I guess, just like, more of me thinking about the color blue in Twin Peaks. Um, I guess like so much of this episode is is marked by like the ways that... <clears throat> In her absence, in the, you know, because Laura's not there, all we have um, is, like, recordings and images. Um, you know, we see, I talked about Doc Hayward and, and Sarah Palmer, like, you know, fixing on these images of her. Um, the episode ends on um, Dr. Jacoby listening to a tape of her and crying. Um, we get... Um, you know, the story behind uh, James filming that video um, of her and Donna. Um, <clears throat> like, just the 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 image, the... Oh, God, I'm... The, simulacra is the word that comes to mind, I guess, of Laura Palmer. Yeah. Um, it is... Yeah, that's all, that's all that's... It, that's all that's left of her now, you know? Um, and yeah. so much of that... Um, so much of the episode is about people filling up, um, that absence with these, um, you know, images and recordings and things. 
Yeah, and the the moment of greatest horror in this episode is when Sarah uh, believes for a moment that Laura is alive. Um, yes. And that's where you get the, uh, you know, one, you get the unsettling image of Laura, Laura's face over Donna's. Um, and you get the, like, thing that's somewhat unsettling with, like, Sarah embracing her being like, Laura, Laura. Um, but then it, you, of course, get the the shot of uh, Bob, um, like, stuck in the closet, uh, mm. you know, behind the bed. Um, and one, um, the thing that happening with that, the, the cut to Bob is the way in which, like, you know, I, uh, <clears throat> this happens with me. I'm sure it happens with other people. If I think of like a disturbing memory, sometimes it's just like, oh, I just have this one like image or this one, like this one, this one sense that I associate with it, you know, like, um, and and it, it might like oh i was so scared and now when i think of that thing that happened to me like i just have that image that like comes up in my mind you know um yeah. and that that image sort of without context um you know i i I'll, to give a specific example like i think about like my grandmother's funeral and i don't really remember too much of that day i just remember like seeing her in her casket, you know, and it's just that image, like, devoid of all the context around it, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> um, and, and that's how, like, memory is functioning because it's a film. <laughs> and that's just sort of how memory has always functioned in film since, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. montage was first theorized. <laughs> um, and then, um, like yeah, the the absolute horror that comes from that um, that image. Yeah, and then, uh, it's also so like heartbreaking, but also, you know, if you have this reading of like Bob is this uh, way that Leland is like compartmentalizing something about himself, um, mm -hmm. but like it's just it's so breaking heartbreaking after seeing that that uh sarah starts shouting leland leland like for for leland to come um yeah she she screams for him and it's like knowing now what we know is she is she screaming because she recognizes or is she screaming because she doesn't want to recognize um is she screaming because she just wants to be comforted like yeah is she um, screaming because she's saying like does she have if we're doing this like uh reading or understanding about what's happening as like Bob being this thing that like Leland uh this like personality that Leland is compartmentalizing the stuff into is she like you know I Leland in this moment not Bob like you know this mm -hmm. awareness of like I want the the person who is like compartmentalized away from this stuff to to return because right now i'm thinking of the other version um, yeah again i, mean, I just um, keep thinking about the george jones stuff here oh um because yeah. that stuff is i finished that i think last time you we recorded i you mentioned in the yeah. last episode and um we don't have to go too in depth on it but like do you want to just explain what you mean by that <laughs> yeah so um it it 
it seems like, and this is like from what I've gathered from cocaine and rhinestones, I haven't actually looked into to other sources beyond that. Um, but that, uh, sorry, the Lem was sleeping in here and is now just being a menace because he's woken up. Um, return of everyone's <laughs> favorite podcasting cat, but uh, he does like to sleep in the closet. So I, I was, I was doomed. He was in here from the beginning. Um, but yeah, uh, so George Jones sort of um, seemed to potentially have like a dissociative identity disorder. Um, and I'm trying to remember the the other two, the names of the other two personalities. I, I absolutely don't remember. Um, one of them like spoke in a duck voice, which is sort of a, a it's like the Donald Duck voice, but it, that was like a broader bit before now it's kind of just associated with Donald Duck, but like happened with various country um like joking around on stage and stuff, uh, little acts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I kind of, I like completely forget what the other one was. I think the the Donald Duck voice one was like um, the Donald Duck one is the racist peanut or one, something. I think. Yeah. Um, but and so, uh, yeah, they had their own like unique uh thing but also so as it went on um he was an alcoholic and also uh increasingly addicted to cocaine and um it it seems like uh from sort of people who who knew him that like towards the end it's possible that um like quote unquote george jones is like a distinct personality was trying to quit cocaine and the other personalities didn't want that to happen because, like, their continued existence was partially predicated on, like, right. uh, his, his mental state when he was getting really drunk and doing lots of drugs and things. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's lots of stuff where, like, the story builds up of um, these drug dealers that are just, like, you know keeping tabs on him so that they know when to come by when his wife leaves and all of this, which all makes more sense of either George Jones is just doing it or he has these personalities that are enabling that even as he himself is trying to, um, to kick that habit. And so, um, you know, I, I think the cocaine and rhinestones gets a, like mostly seems to embrace this multiple personality, this dissociative identity, um, thing that's happening but uh does also leave open the room for how much of this is um was this actually happening or was this just an act as well that he was doing Mm. um so but i i I think think of it with with uh leland because i think there is again we'll see when we get to um the reveal of bob possessing leland um in the show and then obviously uh firewalk with me like kind of contradicts that but how much is there a a certain reading that like the show might be putting forth that there are like you know these kind of two different identities that something is being compartmentalized by leland as like this is something that bob is doing Mm. um like yeah um the show putting forth like, oh, Bob is doing this, and then the movie putting forth like, that is just a way of Leland sort of assuaging his own guilt about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think is like the most... I, I, I think... I'll be interested to see how I feel about that, but that is sort of my like gut-level reading uh, from my memories of it, and, you know, the last time I watched the... Um, 
what is it, season two, episode nine. The last time I watched that, I hadn't seen Firewalk with me. So I'll be I'll be curious to see now that I've seen Firewalk with me, how that maybe influences my understanding of that episode. Um, yeah. Know. Um, I'll be interested. I've, I've seen, um, I've seen, so the other thing is, although I've only seen, um, the full series through twice, I've seen Firewalk with me like five times or something. Um, Christ, why? (laughs) So like every time that I have watched through, um, I watch, so like the first time that I watched through, uh, I, I decided I was done with the series, but I did just skip forward and watch Firewalk with me. Um, then uh, every time that I've like finished watching the show, I've watched Firewalk with me. And then there's also um, a separate time where just me and uh, Carlos and maybe some other, like maybe Alex, uh, Carlos from Heroes 3 and Alex from some fans or something. Uh, we ended up, because uh, Carlos is really big in the Twin Peaks. So I think we ended up uh, just watching the movie once while hanging out as a, mm. we all like Twin Peaks. <laughs> Weird vibes. Um, yeah. Gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it was like specifically around like, oh, this may have been when the the big um that one box set that was like the the complete mystery or whatever came out z z to a no the the one before that before the return happened Um, okay and well the one you have is the complete mystery i remember yeah there there's some other one that um it was called something like the complete mystery. And then after the return came out, uh, it still exists, but they changed the name of it because it's no longer complete, but that it was the first two seasons. Um, fire walk with me was included in that. The, the version that I have, you have to buy fire walk with me different. There's so many different versions of it, but, uh, Carlos had gotten the one that had like the full series in fire walk with me as it existed before, um, the return. And I, I forget, I don't think the missing piece, that may have been when the missing pieces was was released. I'm not sure. Um, that sounds about right. But um, yeah, and so I think like Carlos was excited about getting that, and then we we watched because now he had like the DVD or whatever of it. We watched um, Firewalk with me, but um, yeah, full diversion there. But <laughs> <laughs> um. <clears throat> trying to think we haven't talked about what happened in this episode at all yeah um but i'm also like i don't know i said all the most things i'm most excited about at this point Uh, yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna do the quick check-in i'm gonna here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna pull up twin peaks episode one um no this is wikipedia what i want is the fan wiki give me the fan wiki because they're gonna have a better like cast listing i bet yeah cast here we go all right i'm just gonna go down in order um i'm gonna skip people as i decide it's necessary what's dale up to this episode uh so we he's his we first see him talking to Diane on the the tape recorder um 
and uh while like hanging just just hanging upside down he's maybe doing like crunches and we missed that part but basically just hanging upside down with like special boots from a bar um Mm. in his room commenting on uh how special it is that they had non-smoking rooms so he doesn't have to smell the smoke and can can smell the faint traces of um the douglas furs uh cooper's not a smoker right yeah i don't think he smokes um and one of the few non-smokers in the show i feel like yeah granted this show is running on abc so like how much can you actually show that but like you're telling me truman doesn't smoke I mean, this is this is from a time where, like, I remember as a kid, just like you, you would go any restaurant you would go into, they would they would ask smoking or non smoking, and that was like a change from like my parents, where it was just everyone smoked everywhere. Um, I remember started, that disappearing like, as I got older. Yeah, um, I, I feel like I was getting like pretty old by the time it disappeared. But um, I remember like. When I was the age of your toddler, we would go places and it would be smoking or non-smoking. And by the time I was like 10, you know, it was gone. Yeah. You know, we um, just couldn't smoke inside anymore. Yeah. And now I just feel like hotels are just all non-smoking. Like you smoke yeah. outside. Um, but anyway. Oh, apparently uh, um, David Lynch has a production assistant on every movie whose main job it is to just make sure like whatever sets and hotels he has to go to, he can smoke there. Like that's (laughs) most of what that person's job is. So there's like an example from um, the return where like there's a hotel that has a $500 fine for smoking. And so the production assistant just went up and paid the concierge or the, the clerk up at the front desk and just explained like, listen, I work for a famous movie director. He's going to smoke. Here's the 500. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) That's Uh, the end of the story. (laughs) Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, he goes to get the, the breakfast at the, uh, hotel, um, at the great Northern, uh, and comments on the the damn fine cup of coffee. I like the moment where mm-hmm. he uh, apologizes quickly to the the waitress because he's about to say damn. Um, you know, <laughs> it, it, I noticed it in the last episode, but I noticed it so much more in this one. How much like Kyle MacLachlan does an incredible job. Dale Cooper is like <clears throat> the most charming man in the world, right? Yeah. Like, this is like the thing that Twin Peaks is known for. Uh, on sub level is just oh Cooper so cute. Um, on this rewatch, it is so rehearsed, and Kyle MacLachlan does an excellent job of like playing guy who rehearses a line for any scenario that could come up. If someone yeah. is going to ask me how I like my coffee, I've got a rehearsed line for that. Um, if I eat, drink a particularly good cup of coffee, I have a rehearsed line for that. If I feel the need to swear, I have a rehearsed line for that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, even when he comes in and has to go to the bathroom, uh, he, he like fires off something that feels like practiced of like, even if it was just like that morning, he was thinking about what's the first thing that he's going to see when he says, uh, when he sees Truman to like explain their plan for the day. Uh, and so he, he goes in and he does his spiel and then is like, and I have to go to the bathroom. (laughs) Yes, I have to um, urinate. Yes, I have to urinate. Um, and I, I feel like in some ways, 
watching it this time, that line of like, and I have to urinate at the end. Uh, other times that I've watched it, it's kind of just hit as like a, a little bit of a funny punchline to like, you know, what he said. Mm. But I, I think some of it is meant to like clue in of like, so much of what he's saying feels like very rehearsed, like very on, I'm the, like, on the drive over. He was yeah. thinking about, okay, what are the things I have to get Cooper or get Truman up to speed on? Yeah. Um, and he like enters situations and, and uh, performs as like a, a charming uh, detective. Um, mm-hmm. Even when he has to like pee, he has to like do his little performance first and then go to the bathroom. Um I think there's like a certain intentionality to that with that line. Um, and yeah, it's great too. Cause, cause Truman is just uh, eating a donut and like trying to finish chewing and swallowing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I, I think most of the rest of this is him like going around interviewing people. So um Yeah. I don't know how much we want to go in depth on each and every single interview. Um, I had another Cooper thought. Oh, this can lead us into one of those interviews um, is um, there's a moment in this episode where I feel like he's not performing. um, And so they, the first interview they do is the interview with James and he brings James in and he shows him the video. And I think, as the as it goes on, it's either that like I think I think like Kyle McLaughlin is like leaned forward in his chair because he's grilling James, and James says something I don't re- really remember what, but like James starts being honest with him, and and Kyle McLaughlin like leans back, and it felt like the moment where like the performance drops because like Cooper is like legitimately surprised of like I didn't expect this kid to tell me the truth. I didn't expect myself to be like so taken by this kid telling the truth, you know? Yeah. Um, I think he came in very ready to like treat James as a hostile witness and didn't get that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and also this is where we get the like first real, um, like more explicit note of, uh, Cooper's like superhero power of being able to do it instantly identify um Mm. like who who is in love with who um from body language or whatever because they they go and see josie packard um the fish is in the percolator it's great uh everybody cheers uh there is a fish in the percolator there is a fish (laughs) hats off to jack nance hats Uh, off to jack nance (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah, and then uh you know, and that immediately identifies that um that Harry and Josie are fucking. Um mm. but uh I think also again and we said with the last episode he's kind of showing the the um the videos to to people like of Laura, of Laura Palmer to people and I think some of it is trying to understand what is the actual like relationship that they feel towards her. Um, Mm. And so I think some of it too is like showing that. And, and I think is seeing like that James does uh, the, the like love that James has for, for um, Laura Palmer. So. Mm -hmm. Cause he, he um, showed, 
he showed Bobby the video and was instantly like, oh, Bobby doesn't love her. Um, yeah. Whereas he shows James that. And I think like, I think he was expecting the same and realized, oh, no, James really did actually love her. Yeah. Um, um, do we want to do we want to keep going through like the interviews that that Cooper does or do we want to just like what does James get up to after this interview? Um, <clears throat> what does James get up to? James, the the main other thing with James in this episode, um, is and we can talk about Donna here too. Um, Donna has a talk oh, with her mom yeah. in the morning about the kiss they shared, the the kiss that her and James had had, and how she feels. It's a really touching scene of like Donna trying to hold in her hands. I love James. I care about James. Um, like, <clears throat> also, I love Laura. Um, and I feel like I betrayed her. And, um, you know, I, I I feel that betrayal, but I also feel very happy at, like, my own thing that's going on. Um, yeah, and, I think and it's possibly like a, also, like, a that guilt of, like, Part of that happiness is that now, like, James and I can love each other without having, like, Laura there as, like, a, mm-hmm. a another obstacle to our love. Um, mm-hmm. And so, in some ways, like, almost benefiting from Laura being dead. Um, yeah. Um, And this, this then leads much later in the episode. That's pretty early in the episode. Much, much later in the episode, we get... Um, uh, James comes over for dinner at the Hayward household and we just get like a reprise of the <laughs> um, dinner scene from um, Eraserhead, but considerably less horrifying. Yeah. I'm very happy for all of them. <laughs> that, far, that, uh... far more realistic. Uh, there's no tiny man-made chickens that uh, James has to carve that start pouring out strange liquid. <laughs> kind of disappointing. <laughs> yeah. um so that's that's james and donna basically the other big donna scene is of course the sarah scene that we talked about earlier um i guess there's two other main plot threads to touch on in this episode one um little little shelly and leo check-in how's this treating you how's this um horrifying domestic abuse plot line that's just at the edges of edges of this show going for you. Yeah. Um, well, and also has key stuff for, obviously we know where this stuff leads, but like Leo's bloody shirt, um, and that being like a, a big, Oh, Leo's the one who did it early. Um, you know, early fake i guess although leo is sort of tied to some of this stuff um mm. but uh yeah and then we we get the the abuse of uh shelly here um which is pretty terrifying i hate this man very very much god um, i want him to get eaten by tarantulas yeah i'm so ready for it to happen <laughs> um <laughs> we just got here and yet i am ready I'm also ready for him to just be comatose for a while. Uh, but yeah, eaten too. by tarantulas, especially. Um, um, 
we also oh the other thing with James um because I I thought another little plot point here is we get mention of the Bookhouse Boys, um and the, it first oh, actually yeah. appears as James is being released um and asks uh Ed and I I think also Harry is there in that moment um for the the Bookhouse Boys to watch his back um which. Cooper is also going to uh, let Bobby and Mike go and be like, if anything happens to that James boy, like, you know, we're going to book you for it. So, yeah, um, that th- he's extremely like rehearsed the like pray for James Hurley's health and safety. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Oh, also, uh, there's a long distance call. It sounds like a long distance call because it has that <laughs> whooshing. This is another thing that I'm like, man, this is so 90s. Like the idea, like like a long distance call, you can hear that it's a long distance call. Yes. Um, but yeah, Cooper gets a, a call from uh, Albert. Uh, we're cheering. We're so excited for Albert. Um, it's funny knowing the man to have Cooper be like, uh, if you take this route, I can tell you this restaurant with great cherry pie. <laughs> Albert, meanwhile, what is it with you and Gordon with your fucking cherry pies? I can't stand the two of you. <laughs> um, uh, Jacques Renault oh. comes up. Um, Jacques Renault comes up. We... We haven't talked about the best character in the show, who's only in here for one scene. Was it only in like one scene of the last episode too? Uh, Major Briggs. Yes. R- Robert, uh, I feel I feel we should talk about the feelings and the emotions. And Robert, it is the wish of all people to uh, uh, understand themselves, and that's why I really think you need to try transcendental meditation, Robert. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm gonna slap that cigarette uh, right out your Major mouth. Major Briggs in this scene, in, in this episode is so fucking fun as he like yeah genuinely tries to have a conversation with Bobby, but um is such a weirdo about it. And then is such a weirdo. Um, you get that like that weird moment. I, I do think that there's a there is supposed to be a certain tension to it of like um. At once it is coming from this genuine, like, I, I care for you, son, and, like, I, I'm not going to sit here uh, and, like, watch you smoke a cigarette at the dinner table. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, the cigarette being both, like, just physically bad for your health, but also, like, representational of the the way that you are, like, being rebellious in ways that are dangerous. Um mm-hmm. But also has this like that tension because you do get the like the slap, the cigarette goes into the the meatloaf or whatever. Um, yeah, whatever that like. It almost of... looks like bread. So yeah, that's why it I think does. it is meatloaf. Yeah, it it does. It looks like uh, the like kind a cakey of bread. Yeah, it looks like someone. So like most mornings, I have schnitta, which in lots of other parts of Germany is just butterbrot, but it's like very dense rye bread, um, mm. and you put like butter and then like cold cuts on it. Um, and I sometimes like been someplace and I'm like, oh yeah, this is like a thing I like for breakfast. And so someone will get like a regular rye bread that's like soft and spongy, and I'm like, this is not gonna. Like the when I try to put the butter on it, it's just gonna smash the bread. Uh, you need to right. get the densest fucking bread you can possibly find. Uh, this is the the kind that people will sometimes give me, and I'm like, I I appreciate 
that you know that I like this rye bread with like I like rye bread with butter and and cold cuts on it for breakfast. Uh, this is not the right bread. This is not this is not going to do it for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, and especially just knowing like having in your head fire walk with me. There's also just such a like uh tension to that moment too um although well, significantly less threatening than go wash your hands um yeah it's interesting too because like bobby's doing that because he wants a reaction right mm-hmm. like that's the reason bobby does any of this is because he wants attention from his father and his father is like an emotionally distant person who um like or, or I, I don't know about emotionally distant, but like Major Briggs is a guy who can't can't help but like talk about things in this weird way of like j- he's just like this all the time. And sometimes you want your dad to just like drop the facade and be real with you. And Major Briggs is not capable of doing that. And so like <clears throat> Bobby wants a reaction is this the reaction that he wanted is like, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. And I don't think that makes. I'm not trying to say that Bobby then is implicit in his own getting slapped and it's his fault. Just like Bobby wanted a reaction. And I don't think was like ready for like what that meant. And it's, you know, major Briggs's job as the adult in the room to, uh, you know, either not give him that reaction or not slap him. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, like, yeah, and speaking as a, a teen who had a, a period of just being a, a no good punk, um, some of the acting. Did you really? Out too, I hadn't heard it, that before. Some of that is also like, uh, when you're not getting anything from your parents, uh, a negative reaction is better than no reaction at all. Yes. Um, I yes. mean, this, this is the thing too with like when you have little kids of like. Hey, if if you are yelling at your little kid f- for doing something, like that's still them getting attention and it is like weirdly encouraging them to do it to get bad attention because they're getting attention. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like a weird part of the way that human brains work. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Again, not to be like to to further push back, I guess, against like Bobby. Uh, wants this in like a being a part of it. Uh, Bobby being wants like a, a reaction. Yes. I don't think he wants to get slapped. Yes. Um, but also he wants any reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's part of why you play the game where maybe you are going to get slapped. Um, yeah. is it's still a reaction. It's still someone like showing in some way that they care about. Like in a weird way, it is still yeah. Garland Briggs showing a certain amount of care for the son of being like, don't smoke that shit. Mm-hmm. It's still not the, the proper way to express that or the, for, for like necessarily what Bobby would actually want, but right. also it's still a moment where, because he pulled out the cigarette Briggs is going to like, in a way that is a little bit more, maybe dropping the facade show care for his son. Uh, even if it is in this, like not the most caring way. So, yeah. Um, um again, all of this just speaking as someone who uh has neglect stuff from childhood. <laughs> <laughs> um 
What else? Um, um, it's it's also you know <clears throat> not a, we've talked about this scene a lot. Um, it just some I was reminded of something else I was thinking about with this episode. I talked earlier about like um, Donna talks to her mom and is like trying to hold like two sort of contradictory feelings of like I betrayed my best friend, but I'm very happy about like this thing. Um, you also have in that scene the sort of contradictory, like, um, like the 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 awfulness of like you know a parent hitting a child like that, mixed with the the sort of comedy of um the cigarette lands in the meatloaf and um and the like, the mom being like you know whatever little line she says of just like we're worried about you bobby or whatever you know yes yes i think um because this is like you know this is already like a recurring thing with lynch um is the the comedy and the the awful thing at the same time um it's like you know we talked about roger ebert pushing back on that um and blue velvet um I guess, I guess the place that I'm reaching uh, with it is I find it interesting that like <clears throat> I think for David Lynch like it's that like even when the horrible things are happening that doesn't stop like life from going on and sometimes weird funny things happen in life you know yeah like um even when um we're we're Josie is talking about this horrible, like, memory of um, her own husband dying and then um, how Laura said she felt like she understood uh, Josie's feeling about her husband dying. Like, Josie clearly being haunted by this last conversation that she had with Laura. um, Intercut with, there's a fish in the percolator. (laughs) Yeah. Like, that, that, like... Life is always those things, and, like, life is not often choosing appropriate timing for those things, you know? Yeah. Um, um, there's not an appropriate time for Laura Palmer to die, and there's not an appropriate time for there to be a fish in the percolator. <laughs> yeah. Well, and some of it, too, is, like, lots of people process uh, grief and and trauma and these sorts of things through like a certain dark comedy um they're like this is a thing that i do sometimes and i have friends who do even more but where like something bad happens and you like laugh at something that is absurd about it because that's just like a a way that you can start processing those feelings um i wouldn't be surprised if this is like something that uh david lynch does with like his own life too um, where this is something... the impulse b- behind us saying fag on podcasts all the time. Yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've been called that word a lot. Um, yeah. And in some ways it like disarms it. If it's something that in other contexts I can laugh about, um, and I can put in my Twitter bio unapologetic faggot and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so Yeah. Um, anybody else that we want to touch on? We get the log lady here. 
Um, she's wonderful. I don't have much to say about her. Yeah. Right um, now, we we just get this like the log will tell you uh, at some point. Like the log knows something. Um, my yeah. log knows something. Um, and then one Cooper's like, "What is it?" Is like, "Well, why don't you ask the log?" Like you have to like take me seriously on this. Uh, and Cooper yes. is like in this moment not ready to, even though we know in one episode he's going to be throwing beer bottles to do the Tibetan bottle throwing or whatever, or rock yeah. throwing, throwing rocks <laughs> yeah. at beer bottles. Which came to him in a dream. Yes, which you know, came to him in a dream. He can yeah. trust his own dreams. He cannot trust the dreams of uh, of the, the log lady. Yeah, not yet. He will, he will certainly get there. Mm. Um, <clears throat> um, we also, in that scene, um, we, we get... Uh, we learn as an audience, although Cooper is already aware of this, about the the Meals on Wheels program that Laura was doing. Um, I was about to say Wheels on Meals uh, because that is a, a great Jackie Chan movie. Uh, but no, Meals on Wheels. <laughs> <laughs> Hope no god-awful characters are introduced because of this little uh, detail. Yeah. Um, Hope no one tr- truly fucking intolerable is introduced to the show because of this. <laughs> um, and we got we have Ben Horn being a, a scheming little asshole with uh, uh, Catherine, who is just straight out of a noir here. Like every scene Shut- with her is just her the most like uh, I am a femme fatale. <laughs> Shouts out to um, totally reprise finally unearthing the mystery. It is David Lynch who is the foot freak at the bottom of Twin Peaks. Um, I do think it's both of them. I think both Frost and Lynch. Um, I I will accept this answer. Yeah. But, um, I I was glad to listen to Reprise and get confirmation that at the very least David's in on it. You know. Yeah. Um. At a minimum. <laughs> yeah. Well, David Lynch uh, apparently thinks that it's weird when someone wants to be slapped during sex, but is really into feet. So. <laughs> um, I'm just saying, don't throw stones in glass houses, Lynch. I, I'm with you, <laughs> but also I do think feet feet finish stuff is kind of it's a little weird. If you're into it, though, it's fine. You know, <laughs> you know, I just, I just don't, I don't get it. Can I get one last gripe in about this biography? Uh, sure. I, and I'm sure part of it's because it's co-written with the man himself, and part of it's because it was written by a friend of his. Um, the the book paints a a pretty bad portrait of David. Um, that I think is true of like. Well, okay. The, the book is not aware of this. The book is just presenting the facts of David Lynch's love life over the decades as just like, oh, that lovable little scamp. He was just constantly, you know, marrying and divorcing. Yeah, you know, David, what could you do? Um, David Lynch is like a womanizer at best, <laughs> you know? And it kind of sucks. Um, but like, he st- he cheats on multiple of his spouses, and each of them is like younger than the last. Um, not to mention that like just never bothering to marry marry Isabella Rossellini, even though I think she was like clearly 
thought that's what was going to happen with that relationship. You know, um, the, the, the way that David treats women over the decades is just not great. Um, and sucks to have the, the biography just be like, ah, he's a little scamp because I think that's what he thinks of himself, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, no, nothing else. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Wow. Um. I I we, we got on this because of Piper Lori feet. Yeah. Sorry, I was just looking at the Twin Peak, uh, Twin Peaks wiki, and learned that um, so, Renette Pulaski's um parents are apparently uh in the the pilot so they're played by different people um in the pilot and then in episode 1 and I don't think we see them again after this um mm. the the dad in both is uh Yannick Pulaski the mom uh in a deleted scene in um the pilot uh, was played by a different actress and was named Maria. Uh, mm. it, apparently her name in episode one, maybe this is in the credits or something, is Suburbus? Suburbus <laughs> Pulaski? <laughs> fuck off, David. <laughs> or fuck off, Mark, either way. <laughs> one of you. <laughs> one the, of them the is two, responsible. Yeah, the two of you wrote this. One of you did this. Suburbus. Neo, <laughs> <laughs> where can people find you online? <laughs> uh, people can find me at Fox Mom. Nia. Wait, we have emails. I know at least uh, Joao sent something in. Okay, I'm checking the emails. Can you give me a stairwell rating for this episode? Uh, I so I think the only stairs, the only stairs that I remember seeing um, is when James is coming over for dinner Um to the the Haywards, uh, Donna comes down some suburban stairs. Uh, they're there. It's suburban stairs. There's nothing particularly significant happening here. Uh, it's a far cry from the the S rank of the extremely terrifying stairs in the pilot. Um, I feel like D, D minus. Yeah, D. Just I, w- I would D. say D plus, maybe even. But I'll, I'll give you a D. Yeah, I mean it. It's going to be a cover, right? Like we, I have the, yeah. I have the cover sorted for this episode. Um, I feel like eventually we're going to have episodes without stairs, and I don't know what I'm going to do for the cover. Um, I assume you'll just use the, the, not default like pale flower, but de- default ominous stairwells <sighs> like the ceiling fan. But I, I feel like that's cheating. I, I always want to get something from what we watched. Well, it's we, potential. Can, we can cross that bridge. Yeah, it's possible that if there's not any stairs in the episode of Twin Peaks that we watch, but there were some good stairs in the movie, maybe we pull, like, we watched a movie, uh, we pull from mm-hmm. that, but we'll see. Um, we'll see. We'll, we, we will see. I don't have any emails. You don't? Nothing. I, I got, Len, you're laying on my phone. Um, where did this get sent into, then? Um, 
This I'm says went to folder. export audio podcast. Title stairwells. I'm, I'll search stairwells. Uh, in the... Here, I will. This is the screenshot that I got from Juo. I will. I will send this to you. Oh, this is from October 10th. I wasn't looking far enough <clears throat> back. Oh, okay. <clears throat> what is your strategy to pick where to sit on a movie theater? Um, I like to get as close to the center as possible. Um. <clears throat> yeah. Sometimes a little bit forward. Um it depends on like where is the where's the screen, you know? Mm-hmm. Um I feel like most theaters like as close to the center as possible is good, but like if you go to the really massive um theater at the music box, there's like a really tiny one and then there's just like a huge one. If you go to the huge one, you're like usually getting closer than the midpoint to the screen um, just because it, it goes so far back. Um, but yeah, middle point's kind of the, the standard. You're going to get like the, the sound mixing pretty well. Um, yeah. And so there are some mo- movies where I want to get really close up and have it fully fill my like vision, but usually I kind of want to be able to be a little bit more aware of like what's happening at the edges as well. So um I usually don't want to be like so close that um, I I'm it's kind of my full view. Um, I want, I want to be kind of aware of the screen a little bit more. Uh, <clears throat> when did you fall in love with Dale Cooper? Uh, it's going to be From next the episode. moment. I saw him for, for me, it was uh, the, it's also when like, the first time I watched through this show, I like fully vibed. I like felt like a like a a key was turned and I understood what this show was, um, which is the the Tibetan rock throwing. Um, I feel like the the Tibetan rock throwing. I understood what the show was doing, but I I I loved I loved Dale the moment I met him. Like the moment he's driving into Twin Peaks, I'm like I like him. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I I I like him, but I I think it's like. I feel like we'll see, but I feel like it was episode three. It was um, Zen or the skill to catch a killer where like I loved Dale Cooper as a character Um, and not just being like, "Uh, what's going on here with the, you know, the people that you're introducing. Um, Whereas like early on, I I really took to to Donna. Uh, I like Audrey a lot now, but I think Mm -hmm. some of these first episodes, um, she's just kind of being like weird and sneaking around and not in a way that the first time I watched it that I had like had fully in- endeared myself to that. Um, once we get a little bit more of her like hijinks, um, that's it's when I connect with her. And the, I don't think the episode like really draws attention to this, but the ways in which like Piper Laurie fully embodies like the femme fatale, whereas like Audrey is trying so hard to embody the femme yeah. fatale. You know, uh, oh. part of the reason why, uh, when when she's older, uh, I'm totally drawing a blank on her name right now. Even Sherilyn though I had it, Sherilyn Fenn. Um, I literally had it like a minute ago, and then it vanished. Um, yeah, Sherilyn Fenn gets like hotter after Twin Peaks, and some of it is that I think she's just like in Twin Peaks there's so much of her trying to be the femme, uh, femme fatale and not really succeeding um, and she's just gonna like 
I think just be like more self-assured and that's going to be hot when, <laughs> when she's mm. fully milfed up. Um, she, she is an absolute smoke show when she shows up in Gilmore girls. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, final question. Uh, which anime, um, are, are these characters into Laura Palmer? Ava. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Um, maybe also Berserk. I haven't seen yeah. the Berserk anime. Yeah. Um, I mean, she died before either of these came out, but yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, she would be into the Berserk anime for sure. Yeah. Uh, Cooper. Berserk, another thing that is like trying to hold like <clears throat> the light and the dark tones together, you know? Yeah. Um, and Laura just fully embodies that. And I think knows the ways she embodies that, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> Um, um, Coop. Um, Coop would be into like sports anime. I think Coop would be into sports anime, but only the ones that are like, like you know. Sometimes you watch a sports anime and you're like, "Wow, I learned a lot about golf. I know, uh, I know <clears throat> way more about competitive golf and what I expected would just be like a teen melodrama." You know? Yeah. <clears throat> one I of think the ones that the... are like concerned with teaching you the game yeah whereas like he watches like you know old school like 70s <clears throat> aim for the ace and he's like i didn't understand tennis at all this was just about some teens <laughs> um i also think he really likes my neighbors the yamadas oh for sure for sure yeah and last but not least albert um this uh, is serial experiments lane yeah, Serial Experiments Lane. Yeah, um, all right. He's a pacifist. Also, yeah. Uh, also, I think he really likes Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Albert just wants to see the world bend toward peace. Yeah. I think, I think, I think he's watched a lot of Miyazaki movies and I think has complex feelings about them. I think like a little bit more complex than than you and M, where you're a little bit more just negative. <clears throat> uh-huh. But I don't think he's like I don't think he's someone who's just like oh this is like you know the greatest anime. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he has like critiques about how Miyazaki thinks about uh, pacifism, um, but like appreciates that like this is a filmmaker who is interested in that subject. You know, yeah. Uh I I I think of all of the like of these three people I I feel like Albert watches the most anime. Sure. Um yeah. But also in a way where like he quickly got a sense of his tastes and then I've stayed there, I think. Mm. You know. Like he's not going to pick up Naruto cuz he knows he's not going to like Naruto that much. Mhm. Yeah. Totally with you. Um, well, yeah. Where can people find you online? Uh, people can find me at Foxbomnia on Twitter and co-host and Letterboxd. Um, you can go listen to my other podcasts. Uh, if you like anime, which we were just talking about, um, you can go listen to Ghost Divers, uh, 
that's on the the X War Audio Network. Uh, my friend Connor and I uh, we watch through a bunch of different uh, old anime, and we usually cover like six to eight episodes and talk about them. Um, we are currently wrapping up doing a bunch of guests. When people are listening to this, uh, the Paranoia Agent episodes are coming out, and we are finishing up recording Kino's Journey. Um, and then we are going to, like, next year be going into Iron-Blooded Orphans, and that's just going to be, like, half the year. Um, and then we have a new... F- not, like, a new format for people listening, but a new way that we're picking anime after that. So, um, Ooh. You you know about this. It's the, like, Connor picks something, I pick something. Uh, if we're going to get a guest, it then slots in. Then Connor picks something, then okay. I pick something. Um <clears throat> I thought that's how you already did. <laughs> no, the be- the beginning of this was Connor and I talking, and a lot of it was like, because um, I've just watched more anime than Connor. It was sort of like a crash course in some significant older stuff um, that was important to me and that I, I wanted to show him. Um, plus, we like tossed in a couple extra stuff. But um, the only thing so far that I haven't seen before was Bacchino. Um and you can also listen to Pondering Putan, which is Connor and I uh, doing a weird comedy podcast. Um, and the last one is uh, Around the Long Fire, which is uh, M&I. It's on the Abnormal Mapping ne- uh, Network. And uh, we are reading through sagas. And I talked about it at the beginning of this episode. So you, you already know all about it. I had to oh. tighten that up, but whatever. <laughs> Well, it it worked out good because I was yawning and there was a loud car passing by my window. So, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, you could just mute right when that, <laughs> that little. I, pa- this is such a short episode that I just like went into. Eh, I'll do longer plugs and then remembered that I already kind of did them at the beginning. Anyway, a short episode. We're an hour and a half in. You can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. You can find me on co-host at autumnal. You can go to exportodd.io. That takes you to the Patreon page for the podcast network. There you can find free feeds for all the shows that we do. For $1 a month, you can get early access to a bunch of the shows, like this one, like Gotham City Limits, like um, Hot Singles. Um, Pondering and Putin. For $5, Pondering Putin. Thank you. And for $5 a month, you... Let me divert real quick if you're not listening to pondering putan you have to listen to pondering putan it's so fucking good it's so fucking good it's weird because i don't know the best way to sell people on it because it is just like absurdist. it's just a comedy podcast yeah it's just it's... absurdist comedy but i feel like some of it is dependent on like knowing connor and i but i don't know how much of that of that is actually true um, i i just think it's a very good comedy podcast yeah and and listeners the episodes are 30 minutes at most. So just like listen to two of them. That's the time of like a regular podcast. And then you'll be like, oh, this is for me or eh, this isn't for me. And yeah. then you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's fucking incredible. Anyway, $5 tier. You get Pop Town Funk. There will be an episode about that uh, by the time you're listening to this. Um, <clears throat> you will also get, I launched a new podcast. Um it's going to start coming out soon, but there's already an episode zero in the Patreon feed. Um, proper episodes will come out in a little bit. I want to get a couple episodes banked up before we really get rolling. 
But how that's going to work is there. it's called Coffee and Comic Books. There's going to be two episodes a month. One episode will be in the Patreon feed, and it will also be in a free feed for everyone to hear. And the second episode each month will be exclusive just to you, the $5 patrons. Um, and so if you want to hear um, uh, me and Rick, people might be familiar with Rick from his many guest appearances on um, Your Uncle's Beach House over on the Abnormal Mapping Network. If you want to hear us talk about comic books, oftentimes with guests, we've got Nora coming on for an episode about a Mobius comic soon. Um, I've got a couple other things planned. I know you, Nia, are going to be on it at some point, but we haven't settled anything yet. Um, so yeah, if you want to hear um, two episodes e- each month, um, $5 Patreon feed. If you just want to hear one episode, you don't have to pay for anything, but come on, it's you get twice the episodes. Yeah. Double. Dose. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna number that shit correctly at all. So you're gonna just see in your free feed episode three, episode five. I'm not, I'm gonna put in the bare minimum of effort. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that just about does it for us. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to think if there's a funny thing I could say, but I'll just say Okokoro is real. Okokoro is real. Is dead 
The bats have left the bell tower The victims have been bled and velvet lines The black box Bella Lugos is dead Bella Lugos is dead. 